1: Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. Joining us for this segment, we have Rock Daniels. Rock is a local Lexington businessman and a community advocate. And of course, joining us, our host Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group.
2: So, this is Tennessee Ernie Ford. It's interesting just reading a little bit about him. He came up as a disc jockey, just like Tom T. Hall and so many other guys that were songwriters and ultimately broke into performing. This is actually a song that Merle Travis had performed earlier, probably in the late 40s. This song hit the charts in 1955, a year before I was born. Of course, Tennessee Ernie Ford, born in Bristol. Uh, Tennessee, um, right up in the Tri-Cities area. And this is where our friend Rock is from. He's from uh, Bristol also. So, I mean, it's just an interesting connection there. Yeah.
3: He was was actually friends with uh, my grandparents. They went to the same high school, same high school I went to. So, You know,
2: um, I didn't think Tennessee early Ernie Ford was country. I thought he was kind of uh, easy listening when I was growing up. I would not have called him. He wasn't twangy country and western like Porter Wagner or Dolly Parton. He he kind of seemed a little more of a Chet Atkins type guy, you know, uh, more refined in a sense.
3: Yeah, and he had that deep, deep
2: voice. Deep voice, and yeah. he could sing any kind of music. So quite a guy. All right, we're not really here to talk music, although that is a rabbit trail I love going down. We're going to talk about what is going on in our city. You're not going to hear anything from the local newspapers much because uh, they are completely in the tank with the uh, liberal-slash-progressives at City Hall. What we had in the last election cycle was almost a complete takeover uh, of city hall by a large margin uh, because they got the votes out and um, it happened uh, of, uh, by, by progressives. You're having a lot of interesting things occur. Uh, We all know, or at least anybody who listens to this radio show understands and knows that liberals, hardcore liberals, are not good with budgets. Uh, They're not good with financial reality. And so Lexington is beginning to show that, and there's a recent uh, study that was done by some organization, and, and Rock can tell us about it, that gives us a a fairly low grade in terms of fiscal responsibility. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about that? All right,
3: so it was actually the University of Denver, uh, and that's the Daniels College of Business, no relation to me. I don't think any relation to Stormy either. Um, But it's the School of Accountancy uh, there. They did a study where they looked at all these different cities all across America. And... um, they gave Lexington a grade of D for fiscal health. So, what was that based on? So, this is based on the tax burden per tax the amount of money per taxpayer, and you get a level D if you have a burden in between five thousand and twenty thousand dollars per taxpayer. That is
2: accumulated debt yes. per taxpayer, right?
3: Accumulated debt per taxpayer. Ours is, we're at $9,400.
2: So every taxpayer in this city, there's $9,400 worth of local debt. We're not talking federal. We're not talking state. We're talking local debt that they're having to pay off.
3: Yes, it's we've got $857.3 million of money we need to pay our bills. Uh, right now we've got... Eight hundred and twenty-one million dollars worth of bonds. We've got three hundred and thirty-seven million in other liabilities. Our pensions, the benefits, is six hundred fifty-two million, and our unfunded retiree healthcare benefits is three hundred and sixty-four million. Our total bills are at one point four billion dollars.
2: Right. Which see what's happening in this city, and a lot of people don't want to hear this, but. Slowly, anything that, re, that is a private business is being forced out. That is a business that's not connected to government. That is the school system, UK, or something that is a tax-exempt entity. That is, they don't pay property taxes. They don't pay taxes on their corporate profits. They do pay payroll taxes. Their, their employees pay the two and a quarter percent payroll taxes, but these businesses don't pay any kind of local taxes for what they do. So the city is slowly crowding those out. So it would make all kinds of sense to me that the burden of uh, debt per actual taxpayer is going up because there's getting to be fewer and fewer of them.
3: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
2: The public sector is taking over this city. You try to find a place to put a big, if a big business wanted to come to town right now and say, hire seven, 800, a 1,000 people, have a place to put that business for everybody to park and live, it would be very tough. In fact, almost impossible.
3: Well, I just talked to a guy today, and I won't mention his name, but he owns a very large construction company. He does major commercial construction is on hospitals and schools and stuff like that. And he was talking about he wants to build a new place for him to house his business. And then he said, well, why am I even in Fayette County? I can just put this right across the county line in Clark County or in Jesmond County, and it's going to save me all kinds of money. And let them get all the taxes. And let them get all the taxes. And I think that's as they raise taxes, and they will within the next 12 months, they will raise taxes you are going to see the small business owners like myself that we run our businesses through our homes. You can easily move your business right across the County line.
2: Well, many people have done that. I know of a a young lady. uh, She, and I call it young. They're in their (laughs) forties. To me, that's now young. Um, They have a car parts company that was out on new circle road and they were just paying every kind of, tax you can imagine they moved over into madison county and she said the amount of money that this has added to our bottom line every year is in the six figures they got a a pay raise of that much so anyway so what basically let's go back to that report for a second so what else are they saying about lexington
3: well they're basically saying that you know we've got all this money that that we owe. We have taxpayers and, you know, this city was awarded, you know, over a hundred million dollars, you know, because of COVID. So we got the ARPA money and, you know, we didn't utilize that money to the best interest of, you know, our community. You know, we, I, I equate it to the guys back home when I was growing up that drove the Hummers, you know, when the Hummers came out and you were like, man, that guy, he's got a Hummer. He must really have it going on. And then you see that he's parking it in front of his $400 a month trailer you know, and, and that's kind of like what we've done. You know, we, we want the gold-plated toilets in the, in the trailer park. And, and you just can't have that. You know, I mean, we've got, we had to focus on the things that actually matter. You know, we, we focused on parks. We spent so much money on parks this last year, which is great. And parks are great. I've got two little kids that we love parks. But, you know, we didn't put money into retention of police officers, which makes, right. our, which makes our community safer which makes our community more attractive to visitors, which makes our community more attractive to businesses that bring jobs and the payroll taxes. Mm -hmm. You know, we put that $10 million towards affordable housing. Now the council is fighting against landlords saying there's not affordable housing when we didn't put enough money towards affordable housing last year when we had it, you know. So they were like a bunch of petulant children who had a a hold of uh, mommy and daddy's American Express black card, and they just spent the money free willy. Um, and they didn't focus in on the things that we actually needed to have growth in our community. Well,
2: I tell you, you would think if a community began to see the light on this and said, wait a minute, we're going along a wrong path, that would be one thing. But actually what happened in this community last election cycle, we actually doubled down on going the other direction, the direction you don't want to go, the direction of fiscal irresponsibility, the direction of electing people to positions in this city that don't know anything about running anything. And, in fact, um, our uh, vice mayor recently had uh, an interview with Linda Blackford of the Herald-Leader, and he basically said, I'm not good with budgets and I basically don't want—I don't know what I'm doing in this position. I mean, he, he tells that to the press. That's what he
3: said. I'm not making that up. That's—that's that's, those are his words. Well, and you think that you know we have almost a half a billion dollar budget, you know, here in Lexington. How many of these people have actually even owned a business? You know, how many of them own rental property? How many of them have? you know, a portfolio of anything for themselves. How many of them even own their own homes? You know, I mean, there, there are some of them that are up there that rent property. That one of them was nearly
2: homeless. I mean, at one time, I mean, or a guy that was running for it, he, he, you know, I don't know where these people come from, but they come out during these election cycles and they're getting elected. It's like we go for the person that is the least qualified and we vote out the people that would be qualified by a large margin and basically tell them your point of view and your experience is not welcome here.
3: Absolutely. I mean, you know, we saw you know Richard Maloney was was voted out. We saw out. you
2: get voted out, and, well, and yeah. you didn't ever never get in. You're trying to get in. So let me ask you another thing. We, we're hearing about uh, this uh, budget that they're getting ready to do, and we know that the mayor, um, our, our mayor that we have here, um, basically authored a budget the last time around that said, what does everybody want, and let's give it to them. Every department, there's nobody sitting there that says, no, you can't have this or you can't have that. Um, she just gave it to them. So now it looks like they're getting ready to do that again and give away even more. And as you say, the only way they can pay for it is uh, to raise taxes. And Mayor Gorton has said this. Oh, we're going to have to raise taxes if we pay the police more. Why? Because you're spending so much money on other things in the budget that you won't cut back. Now you're holding people hostage over
3: hiring more police officers. Absolutely. I I think what they call last year's budget, is called an election year budget. I think that's what they they call those, you know, where everybody gets what they want. But, you know, the two people that voted against the budget last year, out of the council, 15 members, two people voted against it, Richard Maloney, David Kloiber, they're both gone. Right. Replaced. Who were they replaced by? People that are going to vote for the budget. Whatever is handed, put in front of them. So, you know, we had an opportunity – to take a large portion of that ARPA money and put it towards, that was the, the relief money that came from the federal government, and put it towards police retention. We could have offered every police officer within five to ten years of retirement a $50,000 bonus and closed that hole. You realize we used to have over 1,000 people apply to be in the police academy. Right now, we've got seven recruits in the academy, and they've got six more months to go. Seven recruits. That's not even going to cover one month of policemen retiring. Seven recruits. You know we're in trouble. We're in a lot of trouble, and we're going to have to come up with more money. These police officers are going to retire, and we just don't have it. We haven't put it into the budget. And this year, I've heard. I mean, I don't know. And for there's sure. no.
2: There seems to be no sense of alarm with. Public citizens, I mean, we've been saying it on this radio show for quite a while. I went over there to city council and faced down the mayor and said, you are irresponsible in this budget. I looked right at her, and she looked back at me, and those were not kind eyes I saw saw staring at me because how dare you come in here and, and call me out for what I'm doing, but what she's doing is bankrupting the city in order to further her own political ambitions and to hold on to power. And now, you know, you've got this, but I'll tell you, uh, you, the blame has to be laid back at the feet of us, the taxpayers, us, the citizens. We've got to do something, and you've got some ideas, so talk a little bit about one of the,
3: Things you're trying to put together. Well, I mean we've we've got to get before them and let them know that listen, we're not going to stand for this whatsoever. Because they're at the end of the day they've they've lucked out because of the economy of the nation is going down right now. You know we're going through this inflationary period that we all know about, and they're going to blame everything that goes on in the city on that. And the media is going to allow them to do that unless we, as a group and as a community, say, hey, wait a second. We know that you were irresponsible from the start. Right. They are going, there are three ways that they can raise money besides bringing business. They can bring businesses in, but there's no businesses coming. No business wants to come to Lexington. You know, there's no, there's no space for them. It's not safe. Yeah. And, and, and they're, and the taxes are too high, but there's three ways that they're going to be able to uh, bring money in. They're going to raise taxes. They're going to lay off people and they're going to bond the money out. And right now, good luck getting a bond. Our bond rating is going to go down the tubes and the interest rates that we're going to get for these bonds is going to be astronomical. So, you know,
2: I don't know what our rating is right now, but we still have a pretty good investment grade rating, but you're saying that with the steps we're taking, you think it's going to hurt our ratings over
3: time. It, it will definitely hurt our ratings over time. So we, you know, when, when we go to council meetings, and we sit there and instead of talking about business, they talk about, you know, dancing around and, and, and basically have no decorum whatsoever. You know, it's, it's just, a. we had a, a
2: drag show at the city council meeting the other day. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's what we
3: had at a city council meeting. Yeah. And I mean, it was, and I mean it's a drag show. If, if there's going to be a drag show at a, at a, at a bar or someplace, I am fine with that. That's fine but you can't have a drag show at a city council meeting you know and and all they're doing is they're giving each other awards they're patting each other on the back and they're not focusing on the business this is a soundtrack from the city council
2: meeting the other day you got a bunch of people up dancing we are family yeah and 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 a bunch of people dancing in drag okay, fine, you want to do that like you say at a bar or something, but in the middle of a city council meeting. Yeah, and the mayor didn't do
3: anything about it. And if and if I stood up and clapped at a city council meeting, they'd throw me out, you know. You had the week before a former city council member uh, from the 1st District, he he uh, spoke out of place. They called him out, a 73-year-old man, you know. But, but this is the, a lie. These
2: guys, they get in there. I remember when Jim Gray was mayor. They wanted to unionize the city workers. They came in and screamed and hollered the whole meeting and nobody called them down. If you're on the side of the left, you want to unionize you're the LGBTQIA crowd. You're trying to push what I would call a more left of center viewpoint. They're not going to say a thing to you. If you represent something more conservative, business oriented, doing business the way it ought to be done, and you get out of
3: line, you're going to get popped in the head. I dare you to go down there and say the Pledge of Allegiance and see what happens.
2: I don't know. They used to have a prayer before the meeting. They
3: they have a prayer, yeah. They do have a prayer. They do, yes.
2: Okay. Well, at least that hadn't gone. I mean, I don't know. I I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I said things – I know that some people are wanting to get together next week here at our office to talk about what's going on in the city. We've got a few folks. If somebody else wants to come in and and talk too uh, and help with this, call us at the office. I mean, we'd be happy to talk to you. I want to make sure that you're trying to fix things rather than disrupt things. But if you are, you're welcome because we need ideas because we got a problem. And I think they even know it over there. But nobody will say anything because they're so afraid of, of being out of step with what seems to be going on.
3: Oh, well, absolutely. I mean, they've they the mayor has lost full control of everything that's going on at, at City Hall. Has to. I mean, I mean, absolutely. You go to any council meeting, she has lost full control of everything that's going on there. And, yeah. and, I, and honestly, I don't know why she is running the work session meetings. I mean, I remember Steve Kay used to run the work session meetings. You know, why Why is. David the, got rid of him. Yeah, well, yeah. I guess he retired. He it? retired. Dan Woo's the new Steve K. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show. We'll be back in just a few minutes, and we've had Rock Daniels joining us. We'll be back in just a few minutes for the second segment of the hour. Stay tuned. Love
0: a day older and St. Peter, don't you call me, cause I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store.
2: Settin' on the banks of the sea For the forty
1: Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show. For this segment, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group.
2: Okay, this is, of course, Ralph Stanley, and this is really, I would say, the song for which the Stanley brothers are the most famous. My brother and I used to play this song back in the 70s and sing... And I just wanted to talk a little bit about what we did earlier this week. This uh, puts me in the mind of it because, of course, um, bluegrass music is a big part of the mountains. uh, And uh, we, on our way up, we were listening to WSGS there in Hazard called it's also called the blue blow Torch of the mountains 101.1 fm and uh we were heading up to alice Lloyd college at hindman kentucky and in, in the morning so on a weekday morning you got farron sparkman uh doing the uh radio show and it's not really a bluegrass show it's more country i mean that tom t hall song we Uh, played in the first hour is a little more representative of what he plays. But um, at one point, Bruce Gordon had a radio show. And his was all bluegrass. He didn't play anything but bluegrass. And he called himself the bluegrass blowtorch of the mountains.
1: (laughs) That could be a lot of meanings.
2: And I remember one time I was sitting in the, in the uh, studio on a Wednesday, I don't remember, there in Hazard, when he was doing the Bluegrass show and people would call in and make requests. And I heard him on the phone with this lady and he's going, no, honey, George Jones is country. We only do blue." <laughs> She's trying to get him to play a George Jones song. <laughs> He wouldn't do it because, George, that would have been violating their rule, which is we don't play country. We play bluegrass. But anyway, uh, at one time, I wanted to be on WSGS so bad that on Sunday afternoons, if you're ever driving through eastern Kentucky, and can pick it up, and it's not hard to do. They have these (laughs) preachers on there for 30 minutes a slice. And uh, I couldn't get a regular radio show on there, and I I finally called them. I said, I noticed you don't have anybody on Sunday afternoon in the slot from 3 to 3.30. And they said, no, we had somebody on there, and they dropped the show, and we haven't you know, we haven't uh, sold it to anybody. I said, well, would you consider me uh, uh, doing a show? And they said, well, it's, it's preachers. And I said, well, I'll preach for the first 20 minutes and then I'll talk about the investment min- <laughs> business for the last 10 kind of got quiet for a minute. And he said, sure, we'll sell it to you. So, this would have been I don't know eight nine ten years ago uh i would I would do an a half hour on wsGS on Sunday afternoon from three to three thirty the first twenty minutes I would get my Bible open it up and preach about something. And then the last 10 minutes, I would talk about the investment business. It was, I enjoyed doing it thoroughly. And then later, uh, we tried to do a Thursday night show down there and it didn't work out time constraints. It just wasn't a good time to do it. And we had to do it live. And it was sometimes we'd drive down there and try to do it live, but it wasn't, it just wasn't convenient. Anyway,
1: what, it's like a, almost a four-hour drive, right?
2: Not to get to Hazard. Three. No. it Two.
1: Was,
2: it, it's about <laughs> two hours and 15 minutes.
1: I haven't gone in a while.
2: Well, we just went to Heinemann.
1: Yeah, but that was a lot longer.
2: Well, that was because your ways took us up through every hollow.
1: <laughs> not, not my W-A-Y-S. My W-A-Z-E.
2: Yeah, the thing on your phone. We were going. That's might have I mean, been. It is roads, been I never, you know
1: what? It might have been because it was the morning when there was so much ice on the we road. We would have gotten
2: there a lot quicker. Well, we're just gone into hazard. Every anyway, every highway gotta, we
1: were on it was stopped. So I'm I'm giving Ways <laughs> credit for actually I'm saving not. us time. Of course okay,
2: not. I'm not. Anyway, <laughs> I'm a Google Maps guy. Um, we went to uh,
1: Ways. Is Google Maps?
2: No, it not I don't think so. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm not going to argue with you about it. Uh, It doesn't look like it. I'll put it that way. You know, we got to Alice Lloyd College, and, you know, that is a school that educates students for a fraction, and I mean a fraction, of the cost of a, what you'd call a, a normal college, liberal arts, or even state university. The students work. They They do what they do for an amazingly low price. And I don't know how they do it but they do, and it's a good education. And the other thing that I really enjoyed, the, the, the class that we taught, we asked the students in the room, where are you from? And I thought, you know, like a lot of these colleges in Kentucky, you're going to have Ohio, Michigan, Virginia, Missouri, you know, New York. No, that's not what it was. Uh, not County. Um, somewhere like uh, Pike County. Floyd County, all sorts of places that were not far away. I was simply amazed at that situation. I couldn't believe it, how everybody was so close to home. And I was later told, one of the people at the college that most of their graduates stay in Appalachia. They stay in the area. They open businesses. They go to work there. They serve the area that they're from. Now, what I talked about with these students was money and banking, I talked about what was going on, what I believe was going on, with the SVB crisis, with the dollar, with government bonds, with the increase in interest rates that we've seen. And we had a very good discussion. And then I tried to relate it to something they could understand. I asked him if they had bank accounts. Many of them said they did. I asked him, do you write checks? Almost none of them write checks. They all do Venmo or other kinds of transfer services. What are the other ones other than Venmo?
1: Oh, there are a lot of them. There's Cash App, Apple Pay, Venmo.
2: So these students, the listeners on this show tend to be older like me. They write checks. These students, younger people, and probably a lot of you all that are listening don't write checks anymore. Very few people do uh, that are of the younger generation. And so, you know, and I I make myself sound so old. I, You know, I know how to do Venmo and all these things, and I've been doing money transfers uh, for 40 years. It's not any big deal to me, but I just think – that um, it's moving a lot faster these days. One of the things that I was struck with as we were driving to this place, we, we went down one of these little hollers, is that there's almost nobody living in parts of Knott County. That's the county that Heinemann is in. There's almost nobody living in many of these places. Now, that's not to say there never was, but there are parts of Kentucky that are almost functionally uninhabited. And
1: and we went for miles and didn't see a car.
2: And you know, that's true, actually. In other parts of the South, it's true in other parts of this country. There are places that are functionally uninhabited. My guess is that there are more people converging in cities, places like that. But you think about the possibility for what could be done with the land in many of these places. If you had the ability to start businesses, of course, In order to start businesses, you have to have customers. But nowadays, you can develop customers on the Internet. So that was another thing I was struck with. Another thing was the amount of cleanup that's taken place since the flooding. But there's an eerie silence. There's not the bustle of people that you might see it seems as if there's a reticence to go back and try to rebuild. And I can't imagine that the government and FEMA is helping things at all by holding up building permits and making it more difficult for people to build. Despite that kind of thing, a college like Alice Lloyd – continues to grow and thrive and they have a donor base from all over the country and they do direct mail they they drip on people and they raise the money and i'm telling you it's an amazing thing to see this is the most improbable place to have a school that's thriving and and growing and doing things. And it came about from the vision of uh, Mrs. Lloyd, who was visited by an old mountain man who came over and said, I had a vision of you bringing learning to this area. And that was what got it started. So I was just letting you know that we go out, we we talk to people, uh, and it's important to give the message of hope. There are parts of this state that are really cut off from so many things. Many people in Lexington, don't even know where Eastern Kentucky is. I mean, if you ask them to name five or six towns in Eastern Kentucky, they couldn't do it. And this would probably be over 90% of the people in this town. We live in a blissful ignorance in many ways, and we think that Lexington itself is – the center of the universe. But when you get out and drive around the state of Kentucky, of course, there's different parts of Kentucky, and different parts are, are performing differently economically. But there, Lexington isn't really Kentucky, and that's true of a lot of university towns. They tend to feel like they're different or set apart or something like that. And they're not always similar to the states that they're from. They certainly aren't, aren't similar politically and economically. But if you think about the amount of minerals, coal that was extracted from the mountains over the years, the people, the hardworking people that, that did it, it fueled industry, kept people's homes warm over so many years, and then look at what's happened to these areas today. It's 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 pitiful in, in so many ways. But the people don't give up; they keep trying, and a college like Alice Lloyd is uh, is an amazing testimony to that. So
1: I, I, you could see so many weeks later the places where the flooding had affected the landscape the edge of the road had fallen off right and I can't imagine what it looked like closer to when it happened oh, it was if horrible. you could still see the results now yeah
2: it was terrible you know and and it was just uh, mayhem I saw some of it just a little bit afterwards. But right when it happened, it, it was an a- absolute dis- – you couldn't get up and down the roads. There was so much trash in them.
1: Well, the edge of the road in many places was completely broken off still.
2: And dangerous. And they had to have those markers in there to keep you from going – dropping your tire off the edge of where the road was broken.
1: Aren't you glad that we got to see that?
2: What? If we hadn't
1: gone that crazy ways way, we never would have seen all that.
2: Oh, there's always a good side to everything. No, I I feel devoted to, I'm, I'm comfortable with the fact that I am devoted to the mountains and trying to do, you know, whatever we can. And I also realized that it is not a very popular thing for people in Lexington to be interested in because, quite frankly, most people around here do not even know it exists.
1: Well, I'll tell you another thing. A lot
2: of them don't even know how to go down to the Kentucky River. I mean, it's amazing.
1: There was no cell coverage at all and I've heard that the internet in eastern Kentucky is some of the best around but I understand why because we had absolutely no cell service for the best part of I don't know. Well the roads
2: and, we were on had zero population so why would there be cell coverage? I don't back know in those with the mountains dollars.
1: blocking it I would imagine. Well, that,
2: well where we were it w- was definitely cut off.
1: Yeah it, it was for sure but as a result, it, in some ways, it leads to, you know, a simpler, less cluttered life. But we think that... I don't agree.
2: I uh, think people need all that stuff.
1: Oh, I remember you said that.
2: Yeah. No, it's it's that's that's how you get hooked into the modern-day economy, is you have to have cell coverage and, and Internet and those kinds of things. It's very tough to do it without it.
1: And that is true. But we we thank the professors... At Alice Lloyd College, for inviting you to come talk to the well, students. Well, I've kind of invited myself. So. Well, but you know, they entrusted they entrusted a class to you, which was nice, and I think that the um, I think the students learned something because it was well, a different. I know I learned something. Different angle. I
2: get more out of it than I think they do because it's just delightful to be able to share ideas with people.
1: All right, we're done for this hour. If you want to hear more of the Tom Dupree Show, go to DupreeFinancial.com. You can also schedule an appointment to come see us and have us take a look at your portfolio to give another set of eyes on what might be another perspective or solution. We appreciate you listening, and we will talk to you next week.
0: Time I
2: saw a she was setting on.